Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. Galatians chapter 5 in verse 1. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Before I forget, after this, all of our students and their parents are going to head to Dairy Queen here in Palmetto. If you guys want to come join us, stop in and get some ice cream or a cup of coffee or something, hang out with us. We're going to go there right after this, and so we're going to have a good time. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and piggyback off of Pastor Jimmy's real-life Christianity messages, and so we talked about it, and he had pretty much Thessalonians wrapped up. So I wanted to go to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Let me read that for you. Here's what it says. It says this, it says, It is for the freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will no longer be of value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What in the world does this scripture mean anyway? What is it that Paul's trying to get to? Well, there's a lot of weight in the first six verses of Galatians chapter 5. As a matter of fact, it's one of my favorite verses in scripture. There's a lot of weight there because what it does, it sets up a system. Basically what Paul's doing is Paul is trying to talk to people that think that you have to have Christ over here And you also have to have the law, the legalism over here. And what these people are trying to do is, is they're trying to take the freedom that we have in Christ. They're trying to take the freedom that we have to walk in the Holy Spirit. You ever heard walking in the Spirit? We have that freedom to walk in that Spirit. To allow the Spirit of God to move us. To allow the Spirit of God to direct our paths. And they're trying to take that and they're trying to combine it with the law, the legalism that was sent down. Remember, God set forth law and then his holy people, what they did is they added to it and added to it and added to it to where it was unbelievably unbelievable how bad it was. It was terrible. They had to actually count steps on the Sabbath day to make sure they weren't working There's scriptures all throughout where Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And they said, oh, you're sinning. And Jesus says, well, which one's better? To keep the Sabbath or to heal? And so what Paul's talking about is is he's talking about Christians, believers, that are trying to take the freedom over here, and they're trying to take the law, and they're trying to meld it all together into one big jumbled up thing. And that's what he says. He says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. You could also say the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through Christ. Because Christ, as we know, 
is defined as love in the Scriptures. I thought back to another account of this. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, I don't have them up there, but Exodus chapter 16, verses, it's actually verses 2 and 3. This is what it says. Now, you've got to know the scenario. The Egyptians have been led out of Egypt. So they've been led out of a captivity. They've been taken out of the captivity, and they've went into the desert. And here they are. And this is what it says. They're there. They're free. Now, they were slaves for 400 years, but now they're freed. It says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So the leaders, they grumbled against the leaders. The Israelites said this to them. Now, remember, they were slaves. It says, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve the entire assembly to death. That's what they said. You know, if they were out in the desert, it would make sense that if they sat around pots of meat and they had all the food they want, it would make sense that they could grumble because God wasn't being their provision. There's a problem with the scripture, though. You know what the problem is? It wasn't true. It wasn't true. They did. They sat around pots of meat that they were fixing for the people that they were owned by. They didn't eat that. Their memories were not accurate. They were lying to themselves. And they had come to a place of frustration where they would rather go back into, in, in, into slavery than to stay in freedom. They would rather drift over to this side of the legalism than they would to stay and allow God to be their provision. To allow literally uh, a cloud by day and a fire by night to guide them. To allow the spirit to move within them. To allow the manna to fall. Their memory said, oh, it was so much better. Oh, we remember it now. Had only we died there. Here we are starving to death. And everything they remembered was not accurate. Everything they remembered was not accurate. Tonight we're talking about real world Christianity. And I wanted to talk about freedom for a little bit. Because I believe that the church as a whole has really, really been taken for a ride. I do. I believe we've been taken for a ride. And that ride went from over here in freedom. And I think a lot of times we like to dip back over here into legalism. I do. I believe that. I believe the church has been taken for a ride. And so tonight I want to talk about four different parts of freedom that we have. So this is the first part. Our relationship is supposed to be real, not a masquerade. Our relationship both with one another and with Christ is supposed to be real and not a masquerade. Do you guys realize that the church, this place here, us, the people that are here, do you guys realize that this place is supposed to be a place where people that are hurting can come and receive help? This place is supposed to be a place where people can come and be 100% real. They can come to one of you and to me, and they can be absolutely real and say, this is what's going on. I'm addicted to this. Or my marriage is like that. 
or my kid acts this way or that way. And the sad reality is, I don't think that's true in the churches today in America. It may be more true for Palmetto Baptist, but I don't think it's true overall for the churches today. See, what we do is, is on the surface, we put up this front. We dress in nice clothes, sometimes jeans and flip-flops, but pretty much nice clothes. We dress in nice clothes, and we come in on Sunday mornings, and we smile. How are you doing? Oh, everything's great. And we leave with the same burdens that we carried in. But see, God, Jesus didn't come for that. God didn't send him for that. He came for freedom. He came so we can come here and be well. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If someone who has an addiction or someone who has a major problem can't come to the church where we, sh- we claim that freedom is found, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? If We're claiming that we have the answer to that. We're claiming that the Scriptures give us the way to live our lives. Yet a lot of us act in a different way. We act like a masquerade. Casting Crowns has a song called Stained Glass Masquerade. Wendy and I have sang it here before. It's one of my favorite songs because it says, Are we all uh, happy and plastic people under these steeples? Is there anyone here who's failed? Is there anyone here who's fallen? Am I the only one in church today that's feeling really small? Because when I take a look around, everybody seems really strong. And I hope they don't notice. I hope they don't notice this. I hope they don't notice that I don't belong here because I'm not strong. The stained glass masquerade. That's what Paul was talking about. There's a church about an hour from here. I had been here about two years, and I opened up the Christian Index, and this guy was on the front page. And the headline said this, Depression in the Church. And it piqued my interest, and so I read it. Not all churches are stained glass masquerades. This church, about an hour from here, their pastor, their pastor was driving on a Saturday. He was behind a big, huge truck, and he was trying to figure out a way that he could get his car to run into that truck and kill him without injuring the truck driver. Why? He's a pastor of a huge church. Why? Because he was depressed. That church did something that was amazing. That church not only kept the pastor, but they brought in an interim pastor, and for a year they paid for and supported that pastor going into counseling. He was real with them, and in return he found out that his church members were real as well. How many churches do you think would do that? How many churches do you think would help in that way? Let me say as a side note, I think this church would. I do. But I'll tell you, a lot of churches won't. Because we see when you have a pastor, he stands up here in the pulpit, and he's the man in control and power, and he has this wisdom, and he doesn't have problems, and we have those things. But the fact is, 
That's not the case at all. A lot of times on Sunday mornings, the pastor is the weakest one of the bunch, drained from pouring out his life. Is it real? Or is it a masquerade? The second one is this. Freedom. We're talking about freedom tonight. Relationship and not an affair. I told this to our students the other night. This blew me away. I have a friend of mine named Jeff. And Jeff is a, I told him I was going to use this. He is a great guy. He, he, I played football with him. He's one of the biggest Steelers fans that there ever will be. I played football with him. He is a fantastic guy. And Jeff, Jeff had some situations in his life that really went, just went sort of south. He is a fantastic guy. He loves God. His parents love God. He's attended church all his life. I mean, he, he kept himself pure for marriage. I mean, he, he did right. I mean, if you read the textbook on how to act as a Christian young person, he would be a pitcher just right by the line. He had been married six weeks after when his wife left him. She had all of these issues and he was left broken. So broken that that happened when he was 23 and he's never remarried since. He's 39 today. 16 years. And he's broken. And you know what his first question was? Why in the world, God? I did this and this and this and this. Why in the world? And I was talking to him the other day. It was a really weird thing. I was thinking about him. I don't know why I hadn't thought about him in years. I was thinking about him. And Wendy and I, we, 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 we did this thing. We both got the same cell phone now. Uh, we, not, we got two different ones. They're the same alike. But you have to hook it up to a computer to get it to sort of work. And so we did that with our contacts. And so what we did is, is Wendy said, well, let's put all our contacts in one. So we'll have all the lists and addresses and everything. So I said, sure. And I, I sat on the couch. She did it. And, uh, and, and we did that. And, and I, was, I was going through some of my contacts. I started looking for a number. Actually, I was, looking for, I was looking for Jeff Cannon's number. I was scrolling through, and I scrolled through far, and boom, Jeff Wardlow popped up. And I was like, Jeff Wardlow? And I hit the button. I was like, I've been thinking about him. And I said, is this Jeff Wardlow? And he called me, and we talked. And he began to pour out his heart. And he said this. He said, Barry, he said, I finally realized something. I said, what's that? He said, Jesus wants a relationship with me. He doesn't want an affair. And I said, tell me what you mean by that. He said, Jesus wants me not just on a Sunday morning. He doesn't want me to come and to, and to pretend like there's something there, that there's a spark there, and then go back to what I was doing before. He doesn't want to be an interlude where I come there and then leave. He wants me to stay there with him. He wants a relationship, not an affair. A relationship is when you're committed and you build up over time, over year after year after year. An affair is when you're committed to something else and you briefly show up and you pretend to love people and you pretend to love God, but it's really about what you can get. Come in for your feel good and then leave. I'll tell you this. Jeff said, having a relationship with God brings freedom. Brings freedom. Giving up brings freedom. I said, do you understand it? He said, I don't understand it at all, but I can tell you it's true. The third thing is this. And we're talking about this on Tuesday night. God wants you to be a follower and not a fan. A follower 
and not a fan. Our whole Bible study this semester is about this. A follower, not a fan. I was, I was standing there. It's the most beautiful sight I've ever seen in my life. I'm standing there with Wendy's dad. And we're there. And, and Blake and Bailey are there. And they're back behind me. They're sitting down on the stairs. And, and Bailey loves barbecue. And she's got a barbecue sandwich that's this big. Okay? We're looking around for food or we're looking around for something. And Bailey passed this barbecue thing on, on the way up to the, to the stadium. And, and she goes like this. Literally, she goes... She goes over because she loves barbecue. She really did. And all she talked about for an hour from that time as we walked around is she said, Dad, when are we going to eat lunch? And I said, I don't know. We had a sort of a big breakfast. She goes, I don't know. But before we go in, I want to get a barbecue. And I said, okay, which one? The one on the corner. I said, Bailey, that thing is way up and all the way down. She goes, I don't care, Dad. I want to get a barbecue. That's, and I want that. The one with the meat piled that high. And I said, okay, we'll go get you a barbecue. So, so we did. And so they were back here behind me eating Bailey was eating like a barbecue, like this big, uh, and, and, and Blake was eating something. And we're there back here, and, and Wendy comes up and stands beside me, and all I see is a, a wave of orange and white outside Neyland Stadium. I'm there, and I took a picture of it, and I put heaven. It's coming down. Neyland's here. It's all coming down. The band has just come in. There's a wave of orange everywhere. And here I am in my orange, and I'm there just basking in the glow, just loving it. I thought about people here. Not much, really. I was there, just loving life. Those people there, there were people that had driven for hours and hours. People in Memphis... Tennessee's a long state. It's a good six-hour trip from Memphis all the way over to Knoxville. They drove that trip. Some of them do it every Saturday. You see them coming through when I lived in Jackson. Shelby County Tags are on the way to Knoxville to see the Vols. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at all these people. You know these people? It's amazing. They have statistics way back. They can name stats on people. They have... They know uh, the, the players and where they're from. They've been following these players for a couple years before they even got there. On recruiting sites, Rivals.com and ESPN 100 and all those things, they, they, know, they know things about the team that probably the team doesn't even know. And they sit around these, these, these barbecue things, and they sit around and they talk about this stuff. And, oh, you remember when? when well, that's what we do at Tennessee. We can't say, hey, we're going to do good today. We say, remember when? Uh, remember back then? But remember when old Johnny Majors, you know, did this? Or remember when? And they start talking about remembering when. And, oh, hey, they're going to do today. And they start naming players' names. Like, oh, you remember old Peyton Manning was there? We can't get rid of him. Remember old Peyton Manning was there, and he did this and this? As a matter of fact, I was standing at the corner of, of Phil Ford away and Peyton Manning pass right there, right there on the corner. I was standing there and they were talking all about the whole remember when they, and they named all these stats and all this kind of stuff. But it was an amazing thing. Um, none of them really knew the players. They went in and they cheered and they cheered and they had on their orange and they were there and they were, you know, oh, it's great to be a Tennessee Vol just on that day because we were playing a sorry team. But... <laughs> It wasn't so great yesterday, believe me. <laughs> Felt pretty bad. Um, but we were, we, you know, cheering. It's great to be a Tennessee Vol and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I was thinking, uh, that's, that's sort of what we do here. Uh, we, got, uh, we got a Bible and we got all the stats. We know what Jesus says about this and this and this and this. And we can do Bible drills and those are great things. But we can do Bible drills and we can, we can name scripture and we quote all six, six books of the Bible. And we go on and on and on and on and on. We got all these things. And what we are is we're a fan. We're a fan of Christ. We're a fan of Christ. 
And He doesn't want any of that. He wants you to be a follower. He doesn't want you to know the stats. He wants to know you intimately. And He wants you to be close to Him. He wants you to be real with Him. He wants you to be free with Him. A lot of people are fans. They read about Him. And they sing about Him. And they learn about Him. And they don't miss a Sunday or a Sunday school. And Wednesday night and Sunday night and whatever night you want to add on, they're here. But they're fans. The following part is the tough part. The book we're reading right now, there's a guy who, he says this, he says, I, I had a guy who in my, in my church, and I told the students about this Tuesday night, that he's, he's, a, he's a soap opera star. And they have a day where they have all these fans come in from all over the world. And he said, this guy asked him to do a gospel hour. And the pastor said, now usually when I hear gospel hour, I don't want anywhere near it. But he wanted him to come do a gospel hour. He had actually rented out this huge place. And the guy, he wanted his pastor to come and give a, a message about Christ and to, to his own fans. So he invited, it was packed out. And as he's walking through the crowd, people are telling when this guy was born and what his favorite foods are. This gospel gospel hour he was going to do. And he's thinking in his mind, I just know this guy as so-and-so, but these people, they, they know everything about him. And he said, then it hit him. They don't know him at all. I know him. I don't know what he likes to eat. I don't know necessarily what size shoe he wears. But I do know what he struggles with. And I do know the things that are happening in his marriage. And I do know who his friends are. And I love him. They're all just fans. God wants us not to be a fan, but a follower. And the final thing is this. Jesus wants love, not lists. Real life freedom, real life Christianity is not about lists, y'all. It's about love. It's about Christ's love for us. I was at a church, and I never understood this. I still don't understand it today. But um, they, they, they wouldn't let you have a pool table in the church. There was a pool table that was, vol- that was donated to the youth, and the youth loved to play pool. A lot of the youth would actually go down to this place. Uh, it was called Buddy's, Buddy's Pool Hall, okay? And it was downtown, and it wasn't really in a good part of town. And so you would have these 16- and 17-year-old kids go to Buddy's Pool Hall to play pool. There was 20 or 30 of them that would go down there. And I had this idea, and the student pastor had this idea, and someone donated a huge, nice pool table. And we talked to them. I said, hey, I said, you know, if we get a pool table here, would you guys come here? And they were like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. They would go on Sunday evenings to Buddy's. Buddy's Pool Hall, downtown Jackson. It's still there. And they would go down there and play pool, a bunch of them. Now, they didn't drink or anything, but there were people there that were. And they'd play pool while the people in the back would be drinking and stuff. Do you know that the church I was attending would not allow that pool table to be in the church, anywhere. I didn't want to put it on the pulpit. I didn't want it to be in the baptistry. I didn't want it to be in the center aisle. I wanted it to be in a back corner somewhere in a youth room. You know they wouldn't let them do that. You know why? Neither do I. I don't know. 
I guess they think it promotes gambling or something. I don't know. I have no idea. I can tell you this. Those kids never came. They never came. I was talking to Pastor Jimmy a couple of weeks ago, and he and I both agreed that, you know, sometimes people just have to sort of trump policy. Sometimes people they have to trump policy. It's what Jesus did the whole time. Do you guys realize what Jesus would say if someone donated a pool table to a church? Do you guys realize what he would say? Say, do you want to play eight ball or nine ball? Which one? Which one? What are we going to do here? You ready? Let's talk. Let's interact. A lot of times what we've done is, is we've set up these lists of things. Well, if I do this, and if I do this, and if I do that, then I'm this. And this, and that, and this. And you check off your list. And if you've done everything the right way, then you feel good about yourself. You, if you've done everything the right way, then, then you've, you've succeeded. And I think Jesus was like, succeeded at what? I don't even know you. Who are you? Are you having a relationship with me? I don't care that you've read the whole book of Genesis in two days. Talk to me instead. Let me show you one verse in Genesis that will make more impact than you reading the whole book. It's almost like this. I heard a pastor say this one time that he was inside and he had always told his son, he said, now son, listen, you can climb this tree out back, but always have me here. Have me here, okay? I don't want you climbing this tree unless I'm here. And so, yes, dad, I'll do that. And so one day he and his wife were inside and he heard him screaming, daddy, daddy. And he said he looked out and there he was stuck in the tree. Couldn't get down. Got himself in trouble. And so what he did is he stopped and he said, asked his wife, he said, hey, has he cleaned his room today? Uh, has, has he been good all day? How are his grades right now? How, has he been nice to his little sister? Has, has, did he help you with the dishes? Did he clean his plate at dinner? Did he put up his bike after he got through riding it? Did he do that as a dad? He didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He took off running as fast as he could out that door, grabbed his kid, and held him. God's not interested in any list we have. He's not interested in any kind of legalism. He doesn't want you to be torn between two sides. He wants you to be free. That's what He's calling you to. Scripture says this. Scripture says, in, in, in Romans, it says, Now, are, are, you, are you free to do whatever you want? No. No. But the thing is, is what you do is, is, is you start doing what you think you need to do and allow Christ to fill in the rest. I love it when I see progressions of a student here who come and at first they have this going on. And it's not an overnight thing. As a matter of fact, when I have a student come up to me and say, okay, I've decided to stop cussing right now. My first thought is, is you'll be cussing for the end of the night. <laughs> Devil, you just said it. Devil's going to hear it. That's going to be it. I mean, you're going to be cussing. I love it when I see students start here 
And over a period of a day and a week and a month and two months and five months and six months, I see a progression that walks through and I see them getting genuine freedom. Not that comes from keeping rules or checklists, but from come that what comes from a depth in a relationship with who Christ is. That's what I love. I love students making decisions, not because their friends want them to, not because, but because they have a depth in a relationship of who Christ is. That's what it takes for us all. That's how we get to know Christ more and more. Don't be like the Israelites that say, oh man, if only I can do this. I'll just, I'll start doing all these things. I tell you, Jesus just wants you to come to him, surrender to him, and allow him to do those things that you don't think you can do. Real world Christianity is about freedom. It's about being free. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, God. Lord, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful for the, God, just the way that you allow us to change, and your expectations, God, of us. You laugh at when we make these huge plans because you know us in and out. And God, just like we look at our own children, and, and, and we want to see slow and steady growth, God, you want the same from us. You know, God, that when we make these declarations that all we're doing is stepping back into to, to legalism of keeping do's and don'ts and checklists. God, you're not about that. God, you're not about me wearing the latest you know, cross necklace and, and things like that and telling everyone uh, about how, how you're, I'm this super Christian when really I'm struggling. You want us to be real. God, there's a lack of realness in church today. But God, you are causing a movement, a wave. God, let us catch that wave of a genuine, true relationship with who you are. God, as you do, we will respond to you. Lord, we ask you not to let us leave here the same as when we walked in. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.